0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com This week's parsha, Parshat Mishpatim. Parashat Mishpatim. So we're taking a break a little bit from the stories and we're learning the laws. So it starts off with the halacha, the didim, the the Torah this week starts off with the Dinim. Before that, we have to do advertisements. Next Shabbos, not this Shabbos, but next Shabbos, Pasha's Truma, is Ornava Shabbaton. We're not sold out yet. I think we have one room left. But, um, um, we are, I know right now we have about 500 people so far. So we usually, we usually get to about 700. So, um, 700. So. What? There's still a room. There's still a room. Um, so we'd love to see you all. It's it's uh, it's uh, no, it's not 200 rooms. 200 people is only this corner room. So you're talking 50 rooms. Not that many rooms left. Um, very excited. We have some very interesting speakers, um, different speakers that we've had in the past years, and the same speakers and uh, beautiful concert, and uh, we're very excited about it. So, maybe the Gashmias is not on the level it was been. Because we were in this big fancy hotel in Connecticut. And this is an up in the mountains type of hotel. Less Gashmias, more Ruchmias. Less physical, more spiritual. So we expect to have a very spiritual time. And um, you can call us at 718-ORNAVA. O-H-R-N-A-A-V. And um, speak to Fagi or to Pam and make a reservation. Very excited. Families. And single girls are invited. No single boys are invited above the age of thirteen. So, at least the elephant will be there. That's our. Um, I don't know if there's any other shachan, maybe there are. I'm not sure. I'm not involved in that part of it. Um, but the shiurim I know are going to be and ask the rabbi till six in the morning and all the other great stuff. There is twenty-six dedications left. We can match your yud kei vav kei. So we need 26 people to call the office, seven one eight O H R N A A V, and say, I'm dedicating a page, and we're ready to print. I'm, you don't understand, wherever I go, when's the book coming out? When's the book coming out? Cubative aim, we need it, we need it, we need it. I need 26 more pledges, and we're done. So whoever's listening tonight, it's, we have 26 left, that's it. And then we can print it up. We get it done by tomorrow, we can start printing. What? You talking about Shabbaton? Yeah, leaving on Friday. Unless you want to go skiing Thursday night, we could set you up. Um, uh, you have to call call the office. There's a bu- there's buses going up there. It's beautiful, Mr. Hashem. We're going to all dive in that it shouldn't snow because uh, it's the mountains. But we're hoping it won't snow. If it snows, we'll go skiing. All right. So these are the mishpatim. Mishpatim are laws, Jewish laws that we understand. So if you buy an Ebed Ivri, an Ebed Ivri is a person who steals money and he can't pay back, so Beth in the court sell him. Six years he works. And on the seventh year, he goes free. If he comes in alone, single, he goes out alone. In Bal ishahu if he's married, his wife goes out with him. Okay? This is very Kabbalistic. Right now, we're just learning the translation as it looks like in the Torah. Let's say he comes in single and his master gives him a wife. The, the, and they have children or daughters or sons. He doesn't, he doesn't get his kids. He doesn't get his wife that he married while he was enslaved. He belongs to the master, to his master. Uh-huh. And he goes out alone. Let's say the Evet after six years doesn't want to leave. He loves the way he's being treated. He likes his master. <coughs> he's a slave, but he likes his master. And he says, I love my master. It's Ishti. I got married while I was here. I don't want to leave her. I don't want to leave my kids. I don't want to go free. <coughs> and So they take him to the door, they drill a hole in his earlobe, and they, and he works, and then he stays there until Yovel. So the, Yovel is every 50 years, so the longest you can work for someone is 50 years. Alright, that's the literal translation. Why do we make a hole in his ear? Anyone know? Because he heard on Sinai. What do you he hear on Hasinai? You should. You should only be a servant to Hashem, not to anyone else also also he heard in the Ten Commandments you should not steal and the whole reason he was sold is because he stole and he couldn't pay back. all right that's the literal translation everybody. Now we'll go to Kabbalistic translation. So so you're a Jew you're an every you're a Jew. Zalman Melaf says in Hillel, "You should live till you're seventy years old." He lived till he was seventy years old. Now we live longer, Baruch Hashem. Right? It's six years each year. Each year here mentioned is ten years. Sixty years in the world. Vashvi is in the seventieth year, a person seventy, Yateilachov Shechinam. He leaves. In Bagapo Yavo, Bagapo Yatei. If you didn't do anything while you're here, you came alone. You leave the world alone. In Ishehu, but if you learn Torah and you're married to Torah and Mitzvahs and, you hasedem, and even though you left this world the Torah and Mitzvahs is what goes out with you. You have nothing else. No money, no clothing, no beauty no food, no weight. Nothing. And the person goes, the person dies and he's in the Kever he takes Nothing with him. Except in Baal Isha, if while he's there, those 70 years, and he gets married, he has the Torah and mitzvahs and, and chesed, then you go with your mitzvahs. But if your whole life you're after, you're following the Eight Sahara, and he's your master, and you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. eating lo Isha, and he gives you a life, he gives you the fun and the partying, whatever it is. And you create things happen because of that, right? Understand that everything you did in this world, all the money, all the stuff, all the children, not, not physical children, Spiritual children, not good children, that you created here, right? You can't, you, you, it you belong to the Master. All your stuff belongs to the Master. At the end of the day, your money, you don't own your clothing, you don't own your house, you don't own your car, you don't own. Right? And, if you're very connected to your, Physical things, then you don't leave the will free. I, I don't want to go into the morbid things, but in there's a safer, cherishes chachma, a couple other going that talk about after a person dies. And it says that the person that has the hardest time dying is the person that spent the most time on his body, because when the neshama for the first, I don't want to get too much into this, but the neshama the first seven days, first thirty days, but the first real seven, thir- the first seven days. Neshama is in the base of Oval. Is in the house where they lived. That's why we sit Shiva and the person sits Shiva in the pers- where the person died. In the house of the person that died. In the next 30 days, he, the Neshama hangs around the grave. And it watches the body decompose. So if your whole life you spent on your body and had looking pretty and looking right, so when you're watching that beauty being eaten by worms and dissipating, it's very painful. The Neshama is you. Very painful to watch yourself decompose. With your whole life, it wasn't about my body, it's about my tyrant, about my mitzvahs. It doesn't bother you. The body has... It's, I'm, not, I'm not that connected. The more you're connected to, to the body, the more when a person dies, you, you're ripping the soul from the body so you're so connected to the body, it hurts a lot more. The person who eats bread and water and he learns tyrant, it's not about all that stuff, so he, so he's not, he doesn't miss his car or his house or anything else. He doesn't miss any of that. And he's going to the Shemaim. He's going to Yeshiva Shemaim. He's going to a holier spiritual place. So it's like leaving New York and in the middle of a snowstorm and going are going to JetBlue to Florida. So you don't feel bad. You don't feel bad. Oh, wait, don't, you don't feel bad you left your house? No, I'm going to Florida. I don't feel bad I left my house. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Eretz Yisrael, wherever I'm going, right? But if you're into your house and my house and my house and my house and my house and everything that I have in America, you get on a plane, it's like very painful. It's the same thing when a person leaves this world. The more you're connected to this world, the harder it is to leave this world. The more you're disconnected to this world, you're more connected to the spiritual world, the easier it is for you to leave this world. All right. A person... This is very, very deep what I'm about to tell you. A person... That, in this world, loves Ishti, Ubani, these are all physical things, right? Loves his master, loves, loves the way he was taking care of, you know, the food, the money, the cars, the cobbler, the, the clo- the, the whole scene, right? He loves that. What does the Pasik say here? Lo, eit se chavshi, even after you die and you go into the next world, you're not free. You're connected to that physical part, and being in the spiritual world, connected to the physical world, is a lot of suffering. You're a servant forever. Forever. You never get out of those chains. So the objective of a person is to live in this world, take the physical things in this world and make them spiritual, and then, that those are the mitzvahs, that's what you take with you. There's a famous story, and it happens not to be a story that I brought, Um, there was a man who got a letter no he didn't get a letter he had two visitors from the king two officers from the king came knocked on his door regular guy the king wants to see you tomorrow now it's not a good thing it's not like a good thing to be called by the king he knew he must have done something that he was on the radar he knew that he was in big trouble. He was very scared. He's a pre- regular peasant living out in the boondocks. And, and now the king in his castle wants to see him. So, of course, he's very, very scared. He doesn't know what to do. So he calls his best friend. And he says to his best friend, um, I don't want to stand in front of the king alone. Maybe you could come with me. So the friend says, are you crazy? I don't want. I'm not going with you. I think he's going to chop your head off. And he's going to chop your head off, and I'm with you. He's going to chop my head off, too. He says, but you're my friend my whole life. Like, you're not going to come with me? He says, I'm not coming with you. You're crazy. You're in trouble, so I have to be in trouble? I'm not going. All right. Goes to his next friend. Says, listen, I'm very scared. I have to go to the king. Would you go with me? He says, listen, I really feel bad for you. Um, I'm not, I'll walk you to the castle. But I'm not going into the castle, because... You're in trouble, and I'm not getting into trouble because of you. But I'm I'm not going to let you walk alone to the castle. I'll walk with you to the castle. So they're walking together to the castle, and he's very, very nervous. And he stops at a hotel, whatever, for the night on their way. And there's a man sitting there that he knew once in a while. He used to speak to him in shul. And he, he walks over to him. He says to this guy, he says, why do you look so nervous? Why do you look so worried? Why do you look so pained? And he says, are you kidding me? I'm in big trouble. I gotta go to the king tomorrow and I'm probably gonna get my head chopped off. He says, I'll go with you. Go with me. I'm not even your friend. I never hung out with you. We never chilled. We didn't go to the movies. We didn't go out to drink. Like, I didn't go to school with you. Like, why would you do this for me? He says, I see you're in pain. I'll go with you to the king. So, this guy who's not really a friend, because the other friend drops him off at the castle, they come into the castle and the king's like, I heard some very nasty things about you. I heard that you were, you were talking bad about me. So the friend who's standing there, who's not really a friend he just met, says, excuse me, sir, um, but we have a relationship, me and you. The king says, yes, we do. He says, I know this guy. He, he's definitely not spreading bad things about you. He's a, He would never say anything bad about the king. He's a good guy. Let him go. And the king says, well, if you say he's a good guy, then your, your track record is perfect. I'll let him go. And he lets him go. And this guy's like, my two best friends didn't save me. And this guy, I don't even know him. He saved me. So this is a marshal from the Dugma Magid. And the Dugma Magid says that the person most of his life works to make money. His best friend is his money. You get up every day. And you work, and you go to the bank, and you invest, and you have IRAs, and money, 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 money. When a person dies, he says, I'm, "It's very scary. The king's calling you back to the castle, din It's very scary. You have to go in front of the heavenly court, and you're like, "Okay, money, you gotta, you gotta come with me and 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 protect me." And the money's like, "Money, money's called zism Zuzim means." It goes from one to the next. It doesn't never stay still. It's zzzing. Like it goes. Zzz, it's like all over the place. So the money says, I'm not going with you. Have a nice day. In fact, all the money you made is now going to your kids. To the government. To taxes. To save the whale. And then your kids are gonna go to AC, Atlantic City, spend money, buy stuff, all your hard work, you have nothing. So the neshama is very scared. It's going to Shemayim now, so the neshama goes to the family. Second friend and says, "You're going to come with me and you're going to talk to Hashem for me." And the family brother, sister doesn't matter what, how, what relative says, uh, "I'm not going into the grave with you, but I'll walk you to the grave." So you have a levaya, and the person goes till the grave, but they only put one person in the grave. No one else goes. So now the Nishama's very scared. Money I spent my whole life on. Not going with me. Family that I'm very close, I spent the other half of my life on. How have I spent any time with your family? But okay, in this story they did. They're not coming with me either. Who is going to help me? And then they cover up the box and the is on its way to Shemayim and it meets a mitzvah. Mitzvah, going to shul. And the mitzvah says, you look very nervous, little Neshama And the Neshama says, I am. I'm going to get in front of Hashem, who's going to protect me. And the mitzvah says, I will. You will. I hardly spent any time in shul. I spent much more time with my family. I spent much more time um, making money. I spent 10 hours a day making money. I spent half an hour in shul every day. Like, why would you do this to me? And the mitzvah says, because I'm your friend. And this mitzvah, and that mitzvah, and chesed, and making someone smile, and helping someone. And you have all these chevrah come up to Shemayim. And the Beth Shemayim says, we hear, uh, you didn't do so good. Um, you might be a little bit of a little a shtickle rebel. And all the mitzvahs start screaming, no, no, he put on and he dabin, he gave tzedakah, he did this, he did this, he did this. And mitzvahs have a lot of credit in Shemayim. And if they say, you're good, you're good. And pain does a lot of credit. a lot of credits. It's a very famous story about pain. Very, very, there was a story, just remembering a piece of it, it's a story where this guy came to Shemayim, and they did the Din V'Cheshbin, the court case, and there were a lot more Averis than Mitzvahs, and he looked like he was in very big trouble, and all of a sudden, they came in with a dump truck. That's how my Rebbe said it. A dump truck of earth. And they dumped it on the side of the good side. And the good side won. And the guy that was standing there, who had thought he'd lost for sure, said, what's the dump truck of, of earth? What is that? And they said, that's all the tzoros you had in life. Pain that you had in life. They put it on the, on the side of schusen. Of but when a person's in pain, um, Don't waste it. Don't blame it on the food. You're throwing up, your head's over the toilet, your brains are coming out, you're in so much pain, and and you're like, you finish throwing up, you're like, oh, I must have eaten something bad. So then you don't get any credit for getting rid of your virus. But if you're throwing up and you're saying, it should be a kapara, all this pain should be a kapara on anything I've ever did, you're wiping out a crazy amount of a virus. Don't waste your pain. If you're in pain, for whatever reason... Say to Hashem, whatever I'm suffering—I have a headache, I have a toothache—should forgive my sins. I should, then I forgive sins. If you're like, "Oh, I have a toothache because I didn't go to the dentist," no. That's not going to. That's not going to. You, you're, you're not. You're not doing. You're not doing tshuva with it. I've done a lot of tshuva that way in my life. Why waste it? If you don't feel well, why waste it? You have fever, and you don't feel well, and everything hurts, and you have the flu. Oh, yeah, I caught the flu because the girl next to me was coughing you're not getting any kapara. If you're like, okay, I'm suffering with the flu, Hashem, it should be a kapara, and everything I do, it is. It's in that dump truck of sand that's, that that symbolizes Yisurim. So there's a very Kabbalistic side to the beginning of Mishpatim, and a person should know that if you say, I love my master, and I love my wife, it's just all materialistic things, and I love my life, and I love somebody else taking care of me, you're going to be a servant to the sultan forever. Got it. All right, Rabbi Laser Brody, big tzaddik, who wrote Garden of Amuna, was in this. Was sitting at this table today. He was. He gave a. Shi- I brought him. He gave He gave a shift to, to our seminary, and um, he spoke about Ben El Machaber. he spoke about a lot of things. There's just a couple of things I want to talk about that he spoke about that I'm going to repeat. So he's like really holy. He's like, he's like breathless. He's like. Everything's Hashem. I love it. I love it. He's pure. He's very, very pure. He wasn't religious. Being brought up, I wanted him to speak here tonight, but instead of me, but he's he's in Chazak in Queens. Or um, we were spoken together, but we, I missed him. And now tomorrow morning he's going to L.A. He's he's a, he's a big child. He wasn't from. He was born totally not religious. Um, went to school to be a farmer. Went to Israel to be a to be a, a, a kibbutznik. Um, ended up in the Israeli army, was sent on a suicide mission behind enemy lines. Um, All the men in his unit got blown to pieces. He was the one guy left, um, the bombs that were shooting at them was like 60 feet, 45 feet, 30 feet, and the next one would be another 15 feet, and it's exactly where he was. And he knew like, (laughs) um, he got hit by shrapnel, opened up his eye, He's got broken bones. He showed, he showed today his hands and his legs. It's not normal uh, what, what he went through in life. And everything is Hashem. So everything is Hashem. What happened? He was, go- he, was, he was the last guy left, and he was falling into a coma, and he started screaming, Hashem, no, no atheist in a foxhole. And he said, I went above the, the smoke and the, and the oxygen being taken away from the bombs and everything else. He said, I went above my body. I went like above above physical world. He said I had like 40 seconds to live. And and when he was above that and he was like looking down sort of, he, he reached out to Hashem. And he, he was not religious at all. And he, in his head, he heard, um, he heard like, like I can save you, but you have to promise me to change. In his conscience. And he said, was surrounded. We're being we being knocked off. It was a suicide. They knew it. they didn't have a chance. You can't you can't save me. And and he had, had a voice. I can I can do anything that needs, to, but you need to promise me you'll change. He said he woke up a few days later in a in a, he was in a coma in a, in a in an army hospital, and he decided to to find Yiddish guy. Crazy story. I wish he would have said it, but it's like it's like a crazy story. So he's like he's like in a different place. Like you know, when he opens up his speech, he's like sisters, that's what he said, sisters. And um, so he, he said why he he said, don't why, why not why sometimes Jews don't get along? I don't understand it, he said. He said, There's a mitzvah in the Torah a half-lich it's the same mitzvah as in Ali It's the same mitzvah keeping it's, it's the same mitzvah. You have to You have to love someone as much as yourself. But but you see people fight all the time and things like that. He says, I don't understand. They don't realize it's the same mitzvah. He said, I'll tell you why people fight. Because what do you mean I should love you as, as, as much as I love myself? I'm, I'm myself, and you're you, and you, you're, you're not me. And me is as close as you can get to me. You can't get closer to me than me, right? You can't get closer to you than you. So how can you expect me to love something that's not me, that's further away from me, as much as I love myself? He said something fascinating today, and I, I want to talk about it, a little bit about it. He said that when he, he calls his, the girls in the class sisters, or we call the guys brothers, sounds like very modern, right? But he said it's not very modern at all. It's. So he said that every person, he said, what, what spoke to me in my head?" He said, what was that? I didn't believe, I didn't have any connection to Hashem and I'm dying and all of a sudden there's there's a voice in my head speaking to me and saying, I'll save you if you promise to change. He said, every Jew has a part of Hashem in him. So, so you, you think, you think when you have these red lights in your life, when you have these thoughts in your life that I want to change and, and 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 I want to get closer. All these you want you know now there's a new saying Ruth and Audrey they didn't say that. Flipping. When you go from being modern to being from oh man this guy flipped in Israel. She flipped in Israel. Right? She used to be with guys, now she's a big stuff she flipped right what does that mean you flipped? Something made you flip, right? You changed. So we all think so Hashem, right, Hashem is sending a message from Shemayim to me. So I'm looking up and I'm like, I hear you God, I'm gonna change. He said, no. No, it's not coming from there. He says, every person we know, it, sa- it says in Bereshit, that Hashem blew in, 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 in Adam's nostrils part of himself. It's a It's, a it's not, 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 it's not Kabbalah. Right? Which means, it's such a deep word, I love it. Which means that Hashem is not there, or there, or there. If he blew part of himself in you, then he's in you. So the voice that, that, that he heard when he was dying, Bakshem didn't die, was not a voice from without, it was a voice from within. And he said, and, there, and, there, and there's a Mishnah in that says there's a Baskol, a Baskol, a Baskol basko, every day. There's a Baskol from Shemayim. It's not a, a Baskol from Shemayim. It's, a, it's inside of us. And every single person has a part of Hashem. So one second. If you have a brain cell, and there are a million cells in that brain, that's what makes up a brain. So, so if I have a part of Hashem, and you have a part of Hashem, then we're brothers and sisters. So then, Rahapta Larecha is not a separate, and that's what Trey's trying to tell us, it's not a separate entity. We're not two separate entities, because I can't, I can't get as close to you as I can get as close to myself. But if you're me, If you have a part of Hashem and I have a part of Hashem, then you're me and I'm you and we're all the same. And therefore, how could you not get along with someone else? It's actually you. Because every Jew has a neshama. And a neshama is a part of Elikus. And if you recognize that, and it's sort of it's sort of brought down in, in, in this book, which everyone should have. I don't know if the camera's going to catch it, but Tomah DeVore, you have to learn this because if you learn these 13 attributes, you will treat people so different than you're treating them now. It's written in English. It's by Feldheim. And you need to buy this book. It will change your life. It changed my life. It will change your life. And it's in English. It's Hebrew English. And it's very understandable because every single one of the 13 chapters has a parable, a story to give you an understanding of, of what it's talking about. And if you could see the godliness in every single person, it me- it means that I don't have to look up to see Hashem. I could look at any one of you. If Hashem is in you, because that's what it says in the Passach, then I could look at any one of you and see God. And maybe that's what it means in the Mishnah Pek Yavos even not a Jew, even a guy because Hashem breathes life into a human being. In the image of God. What does it mean in the image of God? You have part of God in you. And, and that takes it, this he didn't say, but this I thought about it, I was, I was digesting what he was saying. It takes you to such a different place. Would anyone in this room walk into shul and in the Aron kodesh where the Sefer Torah is open and sit in front of that Aron kodesh and watch a movie? Or talk bad, go in front of the arkodesh and say Lush and hara about someone. Stick your head into the arkodesh and say Lush and hara about someone. Or be machal Shabbos on your phone in front of the arkodesh in shul, not in shul. Or wear a short skirt in shul, not in shul. Even when you come to shul, I've been in some modern shuls. They have these things, scarfs that the women put around their waist, so they they don't have short skirts and they put stuff on their head. These little dollies, whatever they call those things, right? They have a certain respect for a synagogue. There's nothing more holy than a person. Because when you go into a synagogue, into a shul, it's a sacred But if you have a part of God in you, that's much holier than a shul. So how dare you walk around like that? How dare you watch something like that? How dare you do what you're doing? But people don't realize that they have part of God in them. That's much holier than, and that's why you have to be sinners, and, and that, that's why we have to act in a certain way, because my Rebbe used to say, you need to be a living Sefer Torah, A living, walking Sefer Torah. You're much more than that. Every girl in this room, every person in this world has part of God in him. So, would you, would you, would you watch that in, in, in a shul? No, but in front of God you are watching it. Are you, are you, and that's why maybe you talk a man or a woman. You have to cover yourself all the time, and how you walk, even in the bathroom, you have to be. Cu- you have to be very, very careful. Why? Why? Because I'm, I have an animal doesn't have it, but a human being has a part of Hashem, and therefore you have to have crazy respect for another human being, and you have to have crazy respect for yourself. And it, it may take us into a whole, into a whole different realm person is not allowed to kill themselves. The person is the body. It's sort of the Arna Kodesh for the, for Hashem. So where do you have a right to do that? I'm not saying that's not the right, it's much deeper than that, but it goes into like many, it goes into tzniyos, it goes into, into, into tzvila. It goes into self-esteem. Wow. Wow. Who would be, who would have low self-esteem if they knew they're carrying God? If you're carrying God inside of you. How could you have low self-esteem? I'm not so smart. I'm not so pretty. I'm not so rich. Who cares? You're God. You have God in you. Who cares if you're rich or you're poor or you're smart or you're not smart? You're walking around with a soul with Hashem in you. And I think that's why angels don't get us. doesn't say they have a part of God in them. They don't. They don't. Hashem created angels. But Hashem didn't re- put, breathe His life into the angels. We're a much higher level than angels. They don't hop us. They're like, you're walking around, it, it's sort of like you have this blue light inside you, like this light inside of you, and you don't see it. How can you get low self-esteem? At the same time, at the same time, it's the basis of because because if I talk Lashem on you, and you are part and God is in you then I'm talking Lashonar on God. And if I hurt you and embarrass you, I'm embarrassing God. Once you once you come to this realization that Hashem is in a person, you need ultimate respect for another person. He uh, um, who was it? Ashkenazim Albach, Zalman Auerbach got up at, um, at at the Levi of his wife. They were both very old, she died very old. He got up and said, I don't have to ask Mechila forgiveness from my wife. After 120, I need to ask a lot of Mechila from my wife. Who could say that? My husband could get up and say, never one bad word, one yell, one scream, one the food wasn't good, one something. So, everybody was like, is he being like a big shot? That Shemuel Zaman, the al Hadar, is getting up and saying, in front of everyone? It's like a private thing. I don't have to ask what for my wife. So they asked him. And he said, that when he came to the Yichud room after he got married, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful marriage. He said, the greatest present, he told his wife, the greatest present I can give you is that I will take care of you in such a way that I will never have to apologize to you because I will never hurt you. That's more than a pearl necklace. That's more than a diamond ring. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine a husband telling his wife, we'll live till 120? I will never have to say I'm sorry because I will never, ever hurt you. That's what he was trying to muster. Everybody that was watching that you need to be able to say after 120, I don't have to ask Machila. That was his present. And there's a story, and I know the guy that drove him, I know his driver. I know the guy in Israel that used to drive Shlomo Zalman. And one day he brought a bunch of boys to the house and he was giving a shir in the house that day or maybe Erev Shabbos. And he walked up in front of the front door and before he knocked on the door... He straightened himself out, he straightened his tie out, his hat, his whole everything, and he knocked on the door and the Rebitzin opened and he walked in. And the boy said, Like, We never saw you do that before, because they never walked into his house. He said, What are you talking about? The Shina is here. He said, the is here, Rebbe, the is in Yeshiva. He said, No, the Rebitson. The Rebitson, Is he the one that used to eat something? Yes, so he used to eat a little cake. When he was a little older, so the driver, the guy that drove him, told me this story that he had this napkin that his wife prepared. People don't understand that. If you, if you, if you learn Torah, not to get married, not to make money, you learn Torah l'shma. You learn Torah because Hashem gave me a mitzvah of Torah. It changes you. It makes you into a beautiful person. People ask me, like this guy, how can he be a guy? He, he learned Torah. He didn't learn Torah l'shma. Torah, Torah changes you. Torah for Hashem, for the right reason, no other reason, changes you. If you're learning it for a reason, it it doesn't change you. You have people that know, have knowledge, and they do the worst of errors. If you learn it because Hashem gave you a mitzvah, it changes you. So, so he he used to have this napkin that you, with sponge cake, and, and he used to drive him home for, drive him home right after Yeshiva for supper. So, he's a little bit of a machutz of this guy, he's still a wise guy, this guy, and he asked, he asked the Rosh uh, Hashir, Shlomo Zalman, he said, Rebbe, don't you know you don't, you know, that's what's the snack right before dinner? Because he was marvish on the way home, he ate this. So he turned around to him and he said, He said, Now that I'm older, when I come ho- uh, at this time of day, I'm very, very hungry. And if I'm going to come home very hungry, I'm going to sit down to eat, I'm not going to talk to the Rebitson right away. This way, on the way home, I eat my sponge cake, I'm not hungry, I come, I sit down, we talk. Oh, the car, the phones. This this is a God, though. Yet after 120 years, I don't have to ask for chila. All he wanted to do is that when he got home, instead of, talked about a yeshiva, what happened that day, whatever it happened. So I'm not hungry, Rebison, take it easy. You know, I'm not starving. Ah. The problem is that, that you guys, most of the world, we don't, they don't know G'daylom. They don't know Tzadikah. I told the girls today, no, sorry. I said yesterday, I spoke in the five towns last night. So my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamaliel, who's my Rebbe, um, gives a lot of shirim. And Mir Yeshiva comes Thursday night. The guys from Mir Yeshiva come Thursday night for a, a shir on, um, on I don't know what the subject is exactly, but has a big crowd that comes. And they asked him a few years ago, I haven't had been there that, that, that Thursday night, they asked him that um, there's a bunch of guys that just got married that are in Mir Yeshiva, and they want to come for a shalom Bayes shear. He said, very good. It was Thursday night. He said, very good. I'll give you a special shir. Come tomorrow at 11.30 to my house. We, we lived in the house. Okay, I said, I'm going to go too. I, I can use a, a shear on shalom Bayes. Everyone needs a shear on shalom Bayes. 11.30, I walk into the house. He's standing there in these plastic slippers the Israelis wear, and he's sponging the kitchen. And I'm like, we're the sponger. I'm like, Rebbe, it's Rebbe Gamliel, I'm like, Rebbe, um, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. He says, what do you mean you to do it for me? This is the shear. There was like 40 guys came to hear a shear. He goes, this is the shear." He says, and now you want to hear the second, true story, you want to hear the second part of the shear? Come with me to the porch. And he sponged the porch. Rebbe Gamliel still does it every single Friday. He does sponging. Gadol Hadar, my rebbe, Rashiva Shari Shemayim, knows the shemus of Hashem, the holiest man, in the, one of the holiest men in the world. He's sponging. Shalom He's well Bayis. The wife cooks. And I sponge. This is like a gedolim. This is like a gedolim. They don't. They don't nothing against therapists. They don't have marriage therapists. They don't have marriage counselors. They don't have premarriage lessons you learn Tyra it makes you into a match if you do it for the right reasons and there's many, many stories of many, many, many of them and the most famous the most famous story is um, was uh, Rabbi, Le- Rabbi Levine Ravaila Levine famous story he came in with his wife she hurt her finger in the door and he walked into the doctor and the doctor said how can I help you Who? which one of you got hurt he said we got hurt do you understand what that means we got hurt not she got hurt we got hurt yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the real people. And you realize that another human being has Hashem in them and that if you're treating them right, you're treating Hashem right. And if you're treating them wrong, you're treating Hashem wrong. You're not talking about Hara and you're not insulting people, you're not hurting people because if you hurt someone, you're hurting God because God's in them. And he's not up there and he's not all over there He's in there. I don't know if you remember the story I told about this little boy in Crown Heights Yeshiva in Wilbasan. So little, so I was, I was, for 30 years I was eighth grade Rebbe. Um, I was teaching boys, not girls. And I was also assistant principal. So um, I was young and I like to get, I love kids. And um, I like to make, joke around with them, give them a chizik. And I definitely love the kid that's struggling the most. That's my thing. I'm drawn not to the good kid. I'm drawn to the kid who's struggling. And um, it was in first grade, and there's this one kid. He sat in the left-hand corner, last seat. I remember exactly where he sat. This was like the biggest schlamozzle I ever met in, in 30 years of teaching. Like his nose was always running. His his were coming out of the wrong place in his pants. He he, he, he never he, he he was he was. His hair was never brushed. He was just—he was just a mess, and and his briefcase used to stink, because he had sandwiches in there for like a year. They were green. There was penicillin growing in those in that briefcase, <laughs> right? And he was just one of these kids that you really felt bad for. He—he he, he was wiping his nose always on his jacket, and he was—he didn't do well in class. He was just a, like your picture of like the kid you don't want to sit next to. And and kids, you know, kids are mean. They don't, they don't have that filter, so they just, they bu- they bullied him, they really did. So, that's my kid. That's my boy. That's the guy I want to help. So, I don't know, wh- I don't know why, but one day I came in on Friday, I liked to disturb the teacher because she didn't want to ever be disturbed. I loved walking in and messing up her class. That was, that's how I used to be, I did Chuva since then. Now I realize she had Hashem's shah. I'm sorry, you know, I didn't realize it at that point. At that point they didn't realize that. So, uh, you grow, you grow, you learn, you grow. Still doing Chuva for a lot of stuff. Anyway, so, I figured, you know, let's have fun. So, I went to the first kid in the class. First row, whatever it is. I'm like, all right, right, Wallace here. I have a question. Yeah, what? I'm like, where's Hashem? Kid looks at me. I'm like, okay. Next kid, where's Hashem? You go through this class. If I would have done this without telling you, say, where's Hashem? If you're not thinking, you know, right, has something up his sleeve. Everyone points up. You look for God, points up. You hear voices, you look up, right? Okay. So, at the middle point of the class, halfway through the class, this one kid remembers the song. Hashem is here, Hashem is everywhere, up, down, all around, right, left, right, out of sight, right, okay. I added that, that's right. So, now, every single kid I ask after that says the same thing. So I'm getting all these songs. The true story, Hashem is my witness. I come to my little Chayamol, the last kid. And I'm like, Chaimel. So we have a song, we have, he's there, you know, just, I, I wasn't looking for anything special. But he's the last kid. I said, Chaim, well, where's Hashem? He says, what? I'm like, where's Hashem? And he looks at me. And of course the whole class is like laughing a little bit under their breath. And he goes, here. First time in my life that anyone ever answered the question that way. I said, here. I said, why do you think he's here? And he says, because I feel him here. No one in the class said they feel him. They said, he's up there, he's all around. But no one feels him. I said, thank you very much. And you know why he felt him there? Because time was in a lot of pain. And when you're in pain, God is in pain with you. There's no pain in this world that a person goes through that Hashem's not in the pain with you. Why? Because He's in you! So if you're in pain, He's in pain! He blew His Neshama into you! So if you're in pain, He's in pain! He can't separate Himself from you. And after a person dies, and the Neshama and the gush separate, you go up to Him in the other world. He's never separate from you. So, when a person's happy, Hashem's, Hashem's happy. When a person's in pain, for so people who feel Hashem doesn't listen to me, Hashem doesn't know I'm here, you're talking about the Hashem up there. You're not talking about the Hashem over here. because The Hashem over here is part of you. It's, I'll read it to you. It's a blessing. It's not like, Wallerstein's like, he's talking psychology, he's talking Wallerstein talk. You ever hear that saying? That's a Wallerstein thing. Okay, I have cousins. Maybe they're talking about them a team thing let's see you have to hear this I'm too far too far too far too far too far Where are you? Adam, <laughs> Hashem created Adam in the Tselem of Hashem. Rashi By the way, you should just know something. It's very amazing what Rashi says over here. Um, Rashi says that, It says, Nivra Everything in the world was created with a saying. Hashem said, there should be Oretz, they should be Yam, they should be Choshech. Hashem said something, with ten utterances, Hashem created the world. Hashem did not create us with an utterance. We're not like any other Bria. We're not like the sun, we're not like the moon, we're not like plants, we're not like animals. Says Rashi, Hashem did not, we are not one of the ten Mamaras. He did not create us with a Maimah. Shakot never been Maimah, but a human being who nivra be a Dayim. Whatever that means, Hashem created us with His hands. Not with a word, but with His hands. That's pretty big. Anyway, where does it say? Did He blew Big Pasek. Listen, everybody. Pasek ches, perig bays. Vayipach, vayapov. And Hashem. Vayyitza, vayyitza, I'm sorry, it's not it's Pasek Zayin. Vayyitza Hashem, look you must own them off of men Adama. And God, four men, dust from the ground. Vayyipach, vayapov, nishmas chayim. And he blew into his nose, his nostrils, the soul of life. And once Hashem did that, then the person became alive. Until then, you were just a goilum. You just, you were just clay. That's it. That's all you were. You were just clay. Unbelievable. So, so this, this apple, this, this thing that Hashem Blew into into um, our, into our nostrils. And this is what Rashi says. A human being is made from earth, the down the down the down part of the world, and from the upper part of the world. Your body is made from up from the earth. And the neshama comes from shu mayim. Unbelievable. So, when you recognize that every single person has this, then your respect for that person is very, very, very different. When you realize, I think maybe even more important, when you realize that you have this, and that you are more than an Aaron Kodesh, you are carrying a part of God in you, then you have to look at yourself in the mirror very differently. Anyone ever get up in the morning and say, I'm part of God? Or you're like, oh my God, I'm not even human. Mean, the, the actual, the actual deep translation of Bethlehem Kim is that that what is what is? Selim is a sail. Sail is a is a shadow. So you can only shadow if you have a, a ball that's round. The shadow has to be round. It can't be square. So what about Hashem? Do we have that? That Hashem has that we have. One thing. That God is one, and every single person is one. Shema Israel. Hashem Hashem echad. Shema Israel. Rus echad. There's only one Rus. There might be another one that's, I don't know what my phone's doing. It's supposed to be silent, but it's, it's overloading. No, you do not have a spark of God. You are a phone. Okay, it says it all sounds off. I don't know. Maybe someone's listening live to the shit. They're getting all excited. So, yes, but Tell the Kim means that there's only one roof. There'll only be one roof. There'll never be another roof. There never was another roof. And therefore, you're an individual that has fingerprints that are different than any other human being in the world. And he said something today, it's just interesting that you asked that, because Lazer Brody said to the girls, he said, he said, if you're, if you're, if you're angry at another girl and you want to get her into trouble, so what do you do? You, you take a picture of a bank robber, right? Robbing a bank. Then you put her face, you photo-shop you photo- uh, it, You put her face on the back, then you come to the police, and you are like, police, look, I have a picture of Rachel, and Rachel in the bank, look, she's stealing. And the cops are like, how do I know you didn't Photoshop it? But, he said, if you take the fingerprint from her and put it on the safe that's open that was robbed from, they'll arrest her in a second. Why? Because you can't photoshop a fingerprint. So Hashem put a fingerprint on every human being because because that cannot be copied. And he said, he was talking about why, girls, why people try to copy other people. Because if you try to copy, then you're just photoshopped. You want to be like someone else? So you're, you're taking your head and you're putting it on her body. You want to be like her. So you're photoshopping. You don't have individuality. Since so the fingerprint is the individuality. The fingerprint of a person is a neshama. He was amazing today. He spoke amazing. fingerprint of a person is a neshama. There's no two nishamas alike, but each neshama is part of Hashem. So it's, it's huge. It's huge. So I want to end with a story. Not Kyle. A different story. A beautiful story. So I was going to save this for the Shabbat, home, but I'm not. If God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Okay? Good saying to put on your refrigerator. So this is a story about Benalla Javero A young and successful executive was traveling down a neighborhood street going a bit too fast in his new Jaguar. Guy got a new Jaguar. He's racing down the street. He was watching for kids darting out from behind parked cars and slowed down when he thought, when he, thought he saw something. As, as his car passed, no children appeared. So he was flying down the road. Instead, a brick smashed into the Jag's side door. Someone threw a brick at his brand-new Jaguar. He slammed on the brakes, backed the Jag up to the spot where the brick had been thrown. Now, you can imagine this guy was beyond himself. as a new Jaguar, a very expensive car. Some kid threw a brick at his car. Forget it. The angry driver then jumped out of his car, grabbed the nearest kid, and pushed him up against the park car, shouting, What was that all about? And who are you? What were you doing? That's a new car. And that brick you threw is going to cost a lot of money. Why did you do it? The young boy was apologetic. Please, mister, please, I'm sorry, but I didn't know what else to do, he pleaded. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. With tears ripping down his face and off his chin, the youth pointed to a spot around a parked car. It's my brother. He rolled off the curb. They're showing a picture of a wheelchair. Okay, So it's my brother. Um, The young boy at the please, Mr. Please, I'm sorry, but I didn't know what else to do. I threw the brick because no one else would stop. With tears ripping down his face and off his chin, the youth pointed to a spot just around the parked car. It's my brother, he said. He rolled off the curb and fell out of his wheelchair, and I can't lift him up. Now sobbing, the boy asked the stunned executive, would you please help me get him back into his wheelchair? He's hurt. He's very hurt. And maybe he even broke something. He's too heavy for me. Moved beyond words, the driver t- tried to swallow the rapidly swelling lump in his throat. He hurriedly lifted the handicapped boy back into the wheelchair, then took out a linen handkercha- handkerchief and dabbed at the fresh scrapes and cuts that the little boy had. A quick look told him everything was going to be okay. Thank you and may God bless you, the grateful child, told the stranger. Too shook up for words. The man simply watched the boy push his wheelchair-bound brother down the sidewalk towards their home. It was a long, slow walk back to his Jaguar. The damage was very noticeable, but the driver never bothered to repair the dented door. He never fixed the door. Why don't you think he fixed the door? Why don't you go to the collision shop? He kept the dent there to remind him of this message. Don't ever go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick at you to get your attention. Don't wait till someone's in big trouble to get your attention. Put the phone away. See what's going on with other people. And, and they end like this. This is from a Jewish book, by the way. In Florida, they have this book that they put out all the time. So they—they re- they re- this is very beautiful what they write at the end. God whispers in our souls and speaks to our hearts. Sometimes when we don't have time to listen, he has to throw a brick at us. It's our choice to listen or not. God did not promise days without pain, laughter without sorrow, or sun without rain. But he did promise strength for the day, comfort for the tears, and light for the way. It's it's something they have. It's like every year they put out a book with all the Jewish stores and stuff like that. It's not. It's and in that in the book they always have these uh, the re- the the thing that actually got me. I, I didn't see the brick. I didn't rip it out for the brick. I didn't see that till later. The value of time, and you know me with time. That's my that's my subject matter. So should I read it? You have time to read it very fast. Imagine there's a bank account that credits your account each morning for $86,400. It carries over no balances from day to day. So you get that money and you can spend it that day. I love this when I read this. Every, every evening the bank deletes whatever part of the balance you didn't use during the day. Whatever you used, you use. But if you have money left over you don't get it to use the next day. Like the month, right? The next day it was rotten. What would you do? Would you drag every cent, of course, of that day? Of course you would. You're not going to leave money in the account. You have $84,000 to spend, you're going to spend it. Each of us has such a bank. The name of this bank is Time. Every morning it credits you with 86, you don't know this. A day of 24 hours has 86,400 seconds. So every single day you get a credit when you wake up of 86,400 seconds. Every night it writes off as loss whatever of this you have failed to invest to a good purpose. It carries over no balance. It allows no overdraft. If you fail to use your day's deposits, the loss is yours. There is no drawing against tomorrow. You must live in the present on today's deposits. Invest it so as to get from its utmost in health, happiness, and success. The clock is running. Make the most of the day. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who, is, who has given birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one, a- of, of one, a- of one hour, something about Shidduchim. To realize the value of one minute, nothing, it's, not, it's just I'm not going to read it. It's not about Shidduchim. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who just missed a train. Yeah, ask me, I can tell you about the value of one minute. To realize the value of one second... Ask someone who just avoided an accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, one millionth of a second, ask the person who won a, a gold medal at the Olympics. One millionth of a second, the difference between you and the other one. Treasure every moment that you have. Remember that time waits for no one. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. May Hashem give everyone lots of time. It's lacha. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com